With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <clears throat> this is Know It All. The ABCs of Education. A platform of Allison Brown Consulting. ABC where we empower our listeners with insightful information about equity in education. Welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. Listen in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern or at any time from your computer at blogtalkradio.com forward slash knowitall. Today's show is a featured show on the Blog Talk Radio website, be sure to follow Blog Talk Radio, I'm sorry, Know It All, on blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Allison R. Brown, Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I'm a civil rights attorney with a focus on equity in public education. Keep up with me on my website at allisonbrownconsulting.com, and be sure to follow Know It All at blogtalkradio.com. If you're tweeting, follow me at Allison R. Brown and tweet about the show with the hashtag KnowItAllABC. Today we're talking about technology and education. We hear a lot about increasing STEM programs in school, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, and the need for the United States to be able to compete globally with countries that are outshining us and turning out technology experts. And just last week, President Obama spoke to students and others at the Pathways in Technology Early College High School, PTEC, in Brooklyn, New York, about his education agenda. Two pillars of that agenda are making sure that all students have access to high-speed Internet and that schools are redesigned to teach high-tech skills. I'm thrilled to welcome to the show today my guests, Heather Hiles, founder and CEO of PathBright, and Dr. Deborah Mahone, director of state and federal programs for the Prince George's County Public School District in Maryland. Good morning to you both. Thank you for being on Know It All today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much, Uh, Allison. I do appreciate the invitation, and I'm looking forward to um, talking with your audience, sharing a lot of the information about what's happening in Prince George's County. Wonderful. Well, I'm I'm very excited, and I'm I'm excited to hear about what's happening specifically with technology and education. Um, You know, I think we hear a lot of times about technology and infusing technology in the classroom and using more technology in the classroom, but I think there's not a lot of talk about what the particulars of that look like. Um, so, you know, Heather, I wonder if you would start us off by talking about what PathBright is and talking about the portfolio learning platform. Sure. Um, thank you also for having us, and, and thank you for creating this forum. This is very powerful and I, I think a great opportunity for people to inform themselves. Um, PathBright is a Web 2.0 portfolio platform, Um, and what that means is that we've built upon an older technology called ePortfolios. And at its core, ePortfolios have been built to facilitate um, students and learners of all ages to document and reflect what they're learning online. And so what that looks like is that students can – in, in our Web 2.0 world, they can take any kind of digital artifact 
and they can um, attach it to uh, a portfolio kind of layout that we create online, um, and they can they can attach reflections about what this means to me. So an essay um, that I may have written for an English class, um, I could attach as an artifact. And, uh, but I could also describe the meaning of what I learned in writing the paper, writing the essay, and how I drew on experiences in, from my childhood, from other classes, from other experiences, and, um, uh, and what this learning experience meant for me, what, what I learned. Um, and we know longitudinal studies have proven that students who reflect on what they're learning improve their, write, their writing proficiencies, they improve their critical thinking skills, they improve their metacognition, their meta-learning, that is the ownership of their own learning process and their own ability to assess what they know and what they don't know and how to fill the gap. So um, I believe in the core portfolio, e-portfolio processes, and what I've done is I've taken Web 2.0 current technologies and made a real multimedia, um, I think, a great experience for the learner, the student, as well as for the teachers who want to teach with that kind of technology. And uh, we've been rolling um, our portfolio platform out to, um, to K-12 schools, also higher ed. Um, this is really a technology that works for learners of all ages. And Deborah, what about you? What, what's happening in the PG County schools with technology in the classroom? Well, I think it's interesting that um, Heather is talking about this, this portfolio platform because what we've been able to do in Prince George's County is take advantage of that, of that technology and that concept and actually give access to um, portfolio creations, um, um, e-book, creations. Um, uh, a lot of our teachers are involved in developing their own books through iAuthors. They're uh, involved in developing their own courses they're, uh, for the delivery of instruction. And we've addressed this from the standpoint of trying to provide equity uh, to knowledge and instruction and just access to technology for all children. One of the, um, the things that we've done that I think has really um, promoted a lot of uh, traction and uh, success in this area is that we deployed in four of our Title I middle schools. These are schools identified for um, uh, access and, and to receive funding because of their high level of poverty. We've deployed um, tablets iPads in each of these four schools, so some, somewhere over 3,000 students and teachers all have access on a daily basis um, to this technology. And what it has done is it's pretty much transformed the way teachers teach and students learn. Um, we began, uh, we started this initiative about three years ago, and we coined it uh, TETL standing for Transforming Education Through Digital Learning. And our focus was on these four middle schools because we felt that if we could do this and do it well and, and make a real difference in these communities, then we could do this for all students. And what we're finding is that um, uh, there is definitely uh, a correlation uh, we've discovered between uh, student achievement and the number of hours that teachers are engaged in uh, receiving professional development in the 
the use and the implementation of this device in their classrooms. We're seeing um, through a lot of the qualitative uh, surveys that we've issued uh, a change in teacher practice, an increase in student attendance, uh, a decrease in disciplinary actions. And as I said, it really has created a culture change uh, for, for communities where perhaps there were challenges and there certainly were um, barriers to instruction. And for these particular schools, it is really making a difference where our teachers are more engaged and our students are taking responsibility for their own learning. So they're using a lot of the, the 2.0 tools uh, that um, have a reference. They are, as I mentioned before, designing their own lessons. They're writing their own um, uh, textbooks, the teachers are, and also writing courses to re-deliver content. Uh, that is enhanced by technology and, and promoting learning in such a way that, that it's really exciting about being an educator again. Hmm. I, I think about just how fun school would be <laughs> or would have been if, when I was there if I could have done anything close to this. Uh, it sounds really exciting. Um, so Heather, talk to me a little bit more about ePortfolio. Is it like journaling? Is that what it is? Or is it, how does it integrate with an existing curriculum. Sure. Um, so, some of the the what I call the magic of ePortfolio learning and the benefits, I do think actually harken back to um, what we well, what I did in my you know humanities class in high school, which was we journaled. We had to journal every day and submit our journals every Friday about what we were learning and what it meant to us. Um, that process of um, Articulating for yourself and making conscious for yourself what you're learning is um, is that one that reinforces uh, your own knowledge. It connects the, it challenges you to connect dots between different learning experiences that take place all the time everywhere, um, and it it, um, it indeed does uh, stimulate these the, the great attributes I talked about like metacognition and good critical thinking skills, etc. Um, now uh, what the, the the way I stumbled upon it and um, and the the um, um, the the reason that um, the way that it works is uh, today's students um, are multimedia they're prolifically creating as you all know uh, videos and photos and mashing them up and sharing them with their friends and they're very hungry to express themselves on Pinterest and Snapchat and you know Twitter and all over the place. Um, and what, I've, what we've found is that, and again, this goes back to kind of why I got so passionate about ePortfolios, is that in the class environment, in the school environment, oftentimes the worst of technology, if any, is available. I, I mean, I think um, where, where Deborah is and what they're doing is, is um, unfortunately, um, is unfortunately maybe, um, you know, um, an anomaly and not exactly um, the trend. And well, I know schools are, are the schools are, are catching up, um, but oftentimes our students are not exposed to the best of technology. And so all of the inclinations that learners have to um, express themselves and the hunger that they have to work from um, work with a great digital experience just isn't av made available to them. So um, now as we see more schools going with iPads and the one-to-one -one experience, this is a great time to really bring that kind of software to, to light. And um, 
and I have spent 25 years of my life working in education and workforce development. I've spent a lot of it. I'm a former school board commissioner here in San Francisco where I work with uh, former uh, um, Superintendent Arlene Ackerman, and we work with dream schools that work with the most um, disadvantaged and underserved students. Uh, I was on the board of a set of charter high schools for eight years, and in a lot of my experiences, what I realized is that Students especially who needed to get caught up needed the ability to understand exactly what they did know and what they didn't know, and we didn't have time to reteach them what they already knew, but we needed them to fill, on, um, to fill up those gaps and to learn what they were, what they were missing. And uh, again, I believe that e-portfolios are a great technology for helping people have ownership of their own learning process. And that is, uh, mm-hmm. can give them visibility into what they need to know and uh, um, how to get that done, as well as what they are really looking at in terms of their rich experiences and knowledge. Um, and so to your question, can this kind of technology be used effectively in the classroom by teachers and instruction design people? Absolutely. Um, what we realized after creating the core portfolio experience is that, indeed, teachers didn't have a great way of um, interacting with or guiding the students as they were building their portfolios. So we built courses, Pathbright for Educators, which allows for teachers to create a whole course with the portfolios. And they create templates of portfolios, give them to a thousand or however many students. Students then use the template as a guideline where they can see examples of what they should be doing in terms of work product and then they put in their own content in their own portfolio. And in our platform, the teachers can go in and give qualitative or um, numerical feedback. We can attach any kind of rubrics or evaluation or common core standards to the content students submit and actually track what the students are putting in their portfolios while they're being created and then certainly once they're submitted. But the process of the creation of the portfolios, the evolution of the portfolios, is a great time for teachers and counselors and others, parents, et cetera, to get involved and see what the students are are experiencing, experiencing and learning. And the one last thing I'll say is that we also think it's so important that students get credit for and understand all the rich experiences and knowledge they're creating and accumulating, not only in the classroom, not only online, but in their after-school jobs, in athletics, in their communities, all those sorts of things, because those are all rich learning experiences where students can show their own assets, their resiliency, their care for their siblings, all that kind of good stuff, and get credit for those skills and those experiences. And, you know, one of the things that uh, if, if I could just comment briefly, I, I want, want to lose the point that um, Heather made regarding the fact that the access to technology and the ability to close the achievement gap and provide uh, equity is, is definitely not uh, present in a lot of school districts. And I think it, it does start, however, with a desire and um, the acknowledgement that there is a need. And I believe that in Prince George's County, one of the things that has um, assisted in implementing and and integrating technology in in our classrooms is uh, a desire to to do that and to provide that access. So embracing technology in a number of ways is is key and has to start with the executive leadership. Um, 
I'm, I'm very pleased to say that we expect that by the end of this school year, uh, all of our buildings in Prince George's County public schools will be uh, fully wired for um, Internet accessibility, which will allow um, all of our schools to have similar opportunities as the four that I mentioned. Um, since we implemented the one-to-one -one with the four middle schools, we've also uh, been able to do a modified deployment, not a one-to-one -one, uh, deployment of, of digital devices, but uh, in our four uh, additional high schools that these middle schools feed into, uh, these high schools are doing similar um, initiatives. They are uh, either addressing grade levels or content areas. So there's definitely a desire um, and a willingness to um, make this technology accessible to all students. Um, and there are other forms um, of technology aside from many of the mobile devices and you know, the laptops and things of that sort. Uh, there are smart boards and um, other types of, of technology that can also be a way to level the um, the playing field. We have um, in some of our schools maybe not a mobile device, but um, in the form of a tablet, but there are iPad touches or iPod touches that are being uh, utilized. There are tablets of all sorts. All of our teachers, of course, have an individual um, laptop as well as a projector to use in their classrooms, which would be a standard expectation, but uh, in some places that is not the case. Uh, so we think that is another way to demonstrate our willingness to provide access to all to all children. Um, one of the things too, and I, I was able to acknowledge the work that Heather is doing around um, portfolio creation. Uh, number a number of the teachers are also um, developing through similar formats the delivery of interactive classroom instruction. They are using uh, Edmodo, which is a, another method of delivering instruction in the classroom that um, houses content for um, students in terms of their homework and their uh, responses um, to various lessons or assessments that have been given. It's all housed electronically and easily accessible to them. Um, likewise, a number of our uh, students are engaged in um, flipped classroom experiences, and this has been very um, interesting. As you mentioned, Allison, certainly different from the way the classroom was implemented and structured when I was a student. In these flipped classrooms, we have um, just the opposite of what you would expect in a, in a traditional classroom. There are uh, teachers who are providing instruction, uh, giving it and delivering it to students or uh, their classes in a home setting. So the, the information is provided um, via a laptop, via uh, some type of mobile device, and students engage and interact with that content at home. And then they return to the classroom uh, in what would be a traditional setting, and there they are provided more individualized one-to-one -one instruction by the teacher. So it accomplishes two things. It gives teachers a chance to focus more on individualized learning uh, to address individualized needs during the school day. And it gives students um, a lot more freedom and accessibility in the evenings 
interacting with parents or interacting with the vast resources that digital technology provides and the Internet provides to uh, develop and define and structure their, their own learning. So uh, these are definitely ways to embrace technology and it's also a way to provide that equity that we mentioned at the top of the show that at this point in time not all districts are necessarily um, addressing, but I, I think most districts certainly realize the, the value and the importance and are moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. And what I hear from you both is that technology really has the ability to allow for a holistic educational experience and to allow for that individualized instruction, as you mentioned, Deborah, that will really keep students engaged and keep them, therefore, safe and happy um, and, and really invested in their own academic um, progress. And, and I'm just wondering, we have you know, a lot of educators and parents and um, advocates who listen to the show. For those who are in those school districts who have been resistant for whatever reason to uh, integrating technology in the classroom, whether it be because of budget or um, just a lack of knowledge, um, how do you get to that point? How do you get to the point where you actually are now introducing an e-portfolio um, software like Pathbrite or where you're allowing for flipped classrooms like you have in, in PG County or where every school is wired for the Internet? How can, how can educators, you know, kind of frontline teachers and, and parents and community members really push for that? Well, one thing that I would say is that parents can be involved uh, at this time and in any minute. So one thing about Pathbrite, um, and it's because of the fact that I'm passionate and committed to making sure that people from all walks of life have access to the best of technology and the best of software, not the worst of it, um, is that there will always be a free Pathbrite experience. So whether a student um, gets exposed or offered a portfolio learning system in their school or not, parents can work with their kids and start helping them build their own portfolio. Um, and they just go to pathbright.com and they can go and open a free account and start to, the student can start to aggregate and pull together their own portfolios. And, you know, you know, honestly, we have college students and students who graduate from college. We have professionals who use our accounts as well. So parents and, and their kids uh, can get involved in creating their own accounts. But what is great is it's a private place for them to hold all the evidence of what they're learning. Um, we have integrations with companies like Parchment and uh, directly with some universities so students can pull together their transcripts, their K-12 transcripts, as well as their, their college-earned uh, transcripts, and embed secure copies in their accounts. These are the kinds of content that um, it's wonderful to be able to own. Um, one of our, our uh, funders and supporters is ACT, the testing company. You'll be able to hold um, digital uh, copies of your test scores, but really that means that all the content of what you've learned and all your data, you can hold in your own account and you can benefit from looking at it and uh, seeing your own processes, that sort of thing. Um, and then when your schools do offer the portfolios for classes, um, you get to just engage and submit, select, customize portfolios that make sense in that classroom, all the while maintaining your personal private account. 
And so, um, so that's a great thing for parents. And um, we've met so many um, uh, academic technology folks or so many teachers who, um, even if they can't necessarily push up the whole food chain of administration, can um, go ahead and use portfolios in their classrooms. I mean, we have, we have teachers um, in middle schools and elementary schools who have gotten permission just uh, to use the portfolios in their classrooms, and then it's kind of spread from there. Um, one, of our, um, one of our customers is the Philadelphia Public Schools, and uh, they started with a handful of English classes, high school classes, and they started using the portfolios. They kind of tested it out, and people started watching them, and um, students wanted to use the portfolios in other classes and kind of spread like that. So you don't have to be just the, you know, chief technology officer for the school district or something like that to start to experiment and, um, and, and use this technology. And Deborah, and how did you get to the point in, in PB County schools where you were able to integrate so much technology? Well, we actually um, had the benefit of having a funding source um, three years ago under the ARA um, funding, the flexibility uh, reauthorization funding uh, that was released by the federal government, which was directed toward um, schools and school districts for, for the creation of innovative um, initiatives. And this was our jump start, and actually it made it possible, because funding is always going to be an issue, but it made it possible for us to start the one-to-one -one initiative in the four schools, uh, the Title I middle schools that I mentioned before. Um, that was a one-time, though, uh, funding source, and we've since had to be um, creative in terms of prioritizing where uh, we place our federal uh, dollars with respect to support for these initiatives. Uh, what I'm finding, though, is that because w w what we are reaping is, is really worthwhile and beneficial and we're getting a lot of traction with this, is that a number of our schools are looking at ways of reallocating their own school-based dollars to support a modified version of a one-to-one -one, um, initiative. So uh, there are ways to um, save money across the district if we look at um, applying uh, resources that would save money in perhaps textbooks. Uh, certainly in uh, these schools we're able to use interactive textbooks at this point. We are using a Pearson interactive textbook as a supplemental, supplemental guide uh, to the classroom textbook. Um, looking down the road at, in the future, that certainly is a way for the district and any district to look at, at possibly utilizing funds in a different way. Uh, there are also benefits in terms of providing professional development, um, whereas the traditional method of uh, training teachers and um, pushing out content and, and keeping us all um, on point as far as our craft is concerned, was a face-to-face -face method. We can use technology in so many different ways now, and technology is not always defined as having a, a device in front of you, such as a necessarily a, a laptop or a textbook, but you can, uh, or laptop rather, or a um, iPad of the sorts. 
but you can also access uh, technology in other ways through communications via um, our television networks. I'll use that as an example. That's a form of pushing out some type of, of, of uh, professional development. There are webinars that can be held. There are podcasts that can be held. Um, and going back to your initial question about how do you um, provide this access and this interest and support from the families and the communities with, within your districts, uh, it goes again back to the will to do it. But it also, I think, starts with providing opportunity and access. And one of the things that um, we are promoting in Prince George's County is access and opportunity for all uh, parents and, and the community to have transparent information, to receive information in a timely fashion. And so um, among a number of things that we're doing, uh, every parent, every um, um, family has access to student information through our SchoolMax uh, family portal, which again is can be accessible through technology to keep track of what's happening with a student in a classroom, um, grades, um, behavior, um, communication back and forth uh, with between the teacher and the parent. So that's one way to to keep technology on the forefront. Um, many of our teachers are also uh, engaging in the use of interactive websites. They're developing their own websites, and that's another way to keep the community informed and supportive of the work that we're doing around um, integrating technology and digital learning. The district in, in itself has, a, um, of course, a, a Twitter handle, a, a Twitter account, a Facebook account, as most districts do, and that, again, is another way of supporting and communicating the, the value of this form of communication. Um, we also have in Prince George's County a uh, iTunes U portal, which promotes the uh, transfer of communication relative to content uh, between teachers and between schools. And we're working on, on trying to open that up and make that even more accessible to a larger group of people, uh, along with our Notify Me system. It's a system that provides text to parents uh, relative to important information uh, about their students. Um, and within our Title I community, we uh, go to great lengths to include and engage the community uh, around parent involvement activities. We recently, just this past week, as a matter of fact, held an iCommunity uh, conference uh, over the weekend at one of the, one of the local uh, middle schools in the area. We've been doing this for several years now, and it brings out parents from across the district and engages them in the technologies that their students are involved in through uh, the week during the regular school year. Um, and this has been a, a, a great marketing um, uh, technique as far as providing support and knowledge and awareness uh, relative to what's happening in the classrooms. Um, we have also, in an effort to make this even more accessible to parents and explain what, uh, how valuable this technology can be, we do have a checkout system where a parent can actually check out an iPad or a laptop if they don't have one at home uh, for a period of time to engage in the same activities that their students would be engaged in. So those are just a few of the 
um, the avenues that we are following in order to ensure that the whole concept um, and the support for individualized learning um, remains at the forefront of everything that we do uh, relative to education. So I, I really love the idea of, and I appreciate you both explaining that technology in the classroom is more than just a subject itself. It's more than just teaching what technology is and about technology, but it's technology actually is and can be a tool for um, equity. Um, it is, as you said, Deborah, an equal, the great equalizer and, and can level the playing field uh, for students who, who maybe don't have access to technology at home um, or for whom it, it, technology may otherwise be a barrier. Um, Heather, will you just talk a little bit about how you see, you know, as we hear about the achievement gap and the school-to-prison pipeline and racial disparities in student discipline, for instance, and, and keeping kids engaged in school, how do you think that as a, tech, as a policy issue, technology should figure into the national conversation about school reform? Sure. Um, naturally, that's a, a big issue, and technology, um, just like any other tool set is um, software uh, or hardware. Uh, they're just parts of the puzzle. They're not really like magic bullets that are going to uh, equalize completely, you know, our socioeconomic system or strata. Um, but that said, uh, when I look at technologies like portfolios, um, what I really like about this kind of software and uh, what I like about um, also having, you know, exposure to the Internet and uh, all the wonderful resources available and all of the um, content available and all that sort of thing is that when you, when you give people access, um, they get to be empowered to uh, educate themselves to also in the, in the form of portfolios, they get to not only learn and see um, for example, when I look at portfolios of people who are maybe chief product officers in companies, I may not know what that is and what a chief product officer does uh, at a software company, but if I can look at a chief product officer's portfolio and I can see that she uh, is responsible for designing and creating screenshots and prototyping software and then she's responsible for interfacing with engineers to make sure it's developed properly and tested and all those kinds of things, then I can understand and I can say, hey, maybe I want to be a chief product officer and maybe I need to have experiences similar to this other person in order to, be, in order to become that, that person. So maybe I should try to get an internship here, an after-school job there. Um, maybe I should go into a design thinking class or a program. Um, so the access to information so that it's not uh, uh, coveted and highly protected or just for certain people from certain walks of life is really important. Um, exposure is so important. Um, so many of the students that I've worked with and so many of the young people that I grew up with were, were off the charts in resourcefulness and intelligence and great common sense and survival skill, had survival skills and that sort of thing, but just weren't exposed to 
opportunities and ways to channel that to become successful entrepreneurs, to become successful business people or educators or any whatever those professions are that they, they would aspire towards. So uh, I think that that's why, that's why it's such a big deal to get um, for, for uh, school districts like Prince George's County to be doing the stuff that they're doing and providing that access and opportunity to the kids, to the students, and to their families. Um, in terms of what we can do from a policy perspective is, um, is you know, it, it gets so into the – it can be very complicated because what works in different communities and what the issues are varies greatly. And oftentimes we find that we're battling for such limited resources or a, a small pie that is getting, you know, people are trying to – cut off slices and have it, have it um, earmarked for different kinds of areas. But what I've seen um, some, some larger school districts do um, or, and some resourceful districts like Prince George's County is um, to get special grants to kind of catch up or to, um, to um, some big districts have even passed bonds so that they could have a real big pot of money to buy the hardware to buy the right software um, and to get caught up and make that, that kind of technology and opportunity uh, available to all of their students. So there are things that we can do at a local level to politically um, to get those resources uh, where they need to be directed and where they need to be made available. Um, a lot of urban schools um, and school districts, you find that a lot of the wealthy students and families have divested from the public schools, except for with their tax monies because they don't have a choice. Um, but it's up to us then to uh, mobilize and make sure that we do get extra resources available, made available for these important kinds of um, important kinds of infrastructure, because it, it really is we have, you know, one shot at educating this generation of students, and uh, we don't want to lose them into, you know, a prison system or into a um, welfare system, uh, which is a, another system that I've spent a lot of time with. And so it's very important that we, we set our priorities for ourselves and that we bring resources where they don't exist today. Deborah, we have about um, about five minutes or so left, a little more than five minutes, and I will apologize because I want to ask you a very big question. <laughs> and that question is, you know, we have a lot of listeners who um, are parents of special needs children or who um, are teachers of special needs children or who are advocates for um, students with disabilities. And I'm just wondering how schools can make sure that as they move into this technology era, they're not moving without their children with special needs, that, they're, that they uh, utilize technology that will be a, in a way that will be a benefit for all of their kids, including those children who have disabilities. Will you speak to that? Certainly, I'd be happy to because um, I think you mentioned earlier that technology is the great equalizer, and it definitely is for children, especially with uh, special needs. Um, the various features in, that are available through technology can make it possible for those youngsters to participate with their peers without fear of falling behind. 
There are all types of adaptive uh, devices and features that compensate for children who perhaps are not able to speak or uh, children who are having uh, hearing um, issues. They're not able to to see or children who are not able to to walk. Uh, we have a, a there are instances that, that I could share with you of uh, very moving conditions, uh, emotional experiences where children are being able to be successful and effective because of the technology that is available to them in the classroom. Um, as you know, with, uh, with an iPad, there are features where if you see a word and can't speak it, you can program and set the, the settings so that the word is actually spoken out for you. Uh, if you need to see, get an example of, of something that perhaps you didn't really understand, there are ways to make that accessible to you. All of these devices, all of the technology is really e equipped with settings that will accommodate for the needs of children who have special needs and who are disadvantaged in, in any sort of way. So I think the uh, advent or the additional use of technology in the classroom to uh, support the educational environment is a benefit now that we did not have in the past. It certainly is not a detriment. I think it will do nothing but make this a much more productive experience for all children in the classroom. Um, and I did also want to speak just briefly to your question about the uh, policy issue with respect to technology. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention from a national educational standpoint, our Common Core educational plan throughout the nation uh, is one that requires technology to be integrated into most lessons. It's, it's probably more than you know 50% of the standards that are required for Common Core access require some form of technology. And if you interpret technology as something beyond uh, simply having a, um, a laptop or a desktop or an iPad in front of you, but perhaps accessing information through those tools, then technology is certainly key and it will be a national policy issue that uh, we as educators uh, have to pay very close attention to and be on the forefront and lead the initiative if we're going to have the success that, that we want for all of our children. Okay. And if I may also, Allison, just add um, sure. yeah. to the, um, the, um, the special needs and special education uh, um, matters, it's always um, a huge and daunting challenge for any school district to accommodate, be accommodating of all the diversity of needs that, um, that various special needs um, and special education students have. Um, and, um, but I did want to, I just wanted to say that, um, and again, I'm, I'm very biased at this point from a portfolio perspective, there are wonderful softwares being built every day that do achieve and work with many different kinds of needs. From a portfolio perspective, it's a wonderful tool for creating certain um, educational plans and IEPs for uh, learning plans for, for various students who have um, different kinds of paths that they need to be tracking of what they're learning and achieving. Um, and the self-paced kind of nature of that. And they interface, portfolios also interface very nicely with online courses. 
that are self-paced. Um, but I wanted to say that I know we're one of the companies, but there are others out there. When we design from day one of designing our software, we design for accessibility needs. Um, uh, so that if you can't use a mouse but you can only um, use a device to hit a keyboard, we have that, that capability. There are many different ways that you can design for accessibility on the front end before you roll out a software on the back end and then try and make it accessible. So um, I just wanted to be encouraging not only of the parents and the folks who work in the, in the special ed department, but also of other software developers who are passionate about creating for learners um, to, to think about those kinds of things. We can think about needs on the front end. So I, we're out of time. I, wanna, um, I wish we had more time, but this has been a really wonderful conversation. I want to thank you both. Dr. Deborah Mahone is the Director of State and Federal Programs for the Prince George's County Public School District in Maryland, and Heather Hiles is the founder of Pathright. Pathbright.com. I also want to um, take a minute to acknowledge Pianchi, who is in the chat room and is um, engaging in some very interesting conversations. So if you haven't had a chance to check out the, the chat room, do so now. I will leave it up for the last uh, for the next few minutes. Um, you are now officially certified know-it-alls about um, technology and education. Remember to follow Know-It-All, the ABCs of Education on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter. Find ABC on Facebook and read my blog at AllisonBrownConsulting.com. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.